0: Children can be dismissed ages um, eight to down like that high can be dismissed. We're going to go out the door, down the hall, and meet in the room right behind there. So if you all hear some noises later on, it's because they're being a little little raucous and fun. So they can be dismissed. It's really good to have you with us. Um, unfortunately, it seems like summer is over. It's pretty warm this past week, wasn't it? Do you all like that or not? No, you want the cold. You want uh, you move on with fall. All right, well, I think it's here for at least for a little bit, so that's a good thing. Um, uh, while it doesn't getting set up, how about if we uh, pray together, and uh, we'll dive into our teaching um, uh, session now. So let's pray together. God in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and grace to us. I pray tonight, Father, that your word would be open and on display for our hearts to interact with. I pray for Justin that you would um, give him words to say and speak that would challenge us from your word. And may your word do an amazing thing. May it settle into our hearts and change us. Father, I thank you for, uh, for um, the ability to be in a free country that we can come and gather and worship and sing praises to you and hear your word. Um, and I just thank you for that blessing. I pray, Father, that you would guide our time to, um, now. Um, give us uh, ears to hear about your goodness and your grace. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for the salvation that you provide, that your word is so clear um, and that we can trust in, and I thank you for that as well. So, Father, I just pray that as we dive into a teaching and instructional time now, We would look at the book of Acts, new and fresh, and see in it not only just a rich history of the early church, but we would see in it the person of Jesus Christ that has actually changed history, Um, and uh, I just pray that you would bless this time now. I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hi, everybody. Good Sunday night. How's it going?
1: Good. The Eagles did win, so that's as my father would say, that's good for local economy whenever the home team wins. So it's also good, you know, because people don't fall into a raging depress. Actually, I think Philadelphia fans like to be depressed. I think it's actually part of the lot of life being, if the, yeah, no, Dunkin' Donuts, free coffee tomorrow. Don't forget, Eagles win. So anyway, moving on from stuff that doesn't matter, um, <laughs> you, you've caught us on our first week in acts, so congratulations if you came today. Um What we're doing, what we did the past two weeks is actually We walked through two stories of Jesus' interaction with two separate people To actually set us up And the question was asked last week um, After church, and we talked about it at Wednesday night I'm sure Thursday night discussed it too uh, Was why we were in those two stories So for those of you who don't know We uh, we went over Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well um, A woman who had had five husbands Was currently living with a guy, you know that set up and that's kind of was her deal. Um, and he talks to her about it and basically walks her through why she's getting water in the middle of the day when it's hot. When no one, none of the other ladies do that. They all come and get it early cause it's, when it's hot and it's, you know, heavy and they would, you know, carry like 30 pounds, thirty thirty gallons of water back. You know, it's, it's a lot, you know, it's hot. You get that? So she's coming in the middle of the day. So she goes to that whole interaction where she's, He's communicating to her that, you know, she, he, he would give her living water and she wants this living water and that he actually is addressing her soul. He's addressing her spiritual need that she, does, she doesn't come to get water with the rest of the women because of the shame that she feels and the guilt that she feels. And we talked about that and how the, her next interaction with the town shortly after, after she talks with Jesus and after she, he is, she, she is offered this forgiveness, how she then goes into the town, right? The people that she's trying to avoid. Because the love of God has impacted her, that Jesus has impacted her with the love and forgiveness that he's going to offer the world. And now she feels free. She feels free of the shame. If this man, this Messiah, will forgive me, then what does it matter what anybody else does? And so the gospel, the power of the gospel, forces her into this position where she's free enough to walk back into town, the place where people would have had the, those eyes that judged her, the shame and guilt that would have been upon her. She's free from it. So we talked about that the first week and last week we talked about the woman that the uh, Pharisees brought to Jesus that they had caught in the act of adultery. Jesus' teaching in the temple and we walked through that story and how by law uh, she was guilty. We talked about the fact that it was probably a set-up situation, right? How instant it is to catch someone in the act of adultery. That's kind of a... You know, usually in court, those are things that are proven over, you know, instances. And But when you catch someone in the act, you have a very small window to really do that. And they had caught her in this act probably because they had orchestrated the scenario that would have enabled her to be in this act. So <clears throat> they bring her before, Je- before, before Jesus as he's teaching in the temple, really, so that they can try to dissuade the people from following Jesus. Jesus, who's preaching forgiveness, Jesus, who's preaching repentance— And they're going to bring this woman now caught in adultery. Now, the law said she was supposed to be stoned. So they brought stones with them to stone this woman, right? We walked through what the law had said, but that Jesus actually doesn't condemn the woman. He does so in a way that her accusers leave and she stands there and he says he doesn't condemn her. Now, by law, she's guilty. But the reality is Jesus knew that when he would walk to the cross and he would pay for sins he would pay for her sins that day so he can tell her she's not condemned because he was going to take her condemnation on himself and how the law doesn't hold the same power as it once did the law brings us to Jesus like a tutor remember we talked about that like a tutor it guides us to Jesus and then at Jesus it is fulfilled And so Jesus fulfills the law, and he knew he would do so, and so he doesn't condemn this woman, and how that's part of the freedom that we can experience from the power of the law and sin and death. And those two weeks are important to get us to this week um, for the the main simple fact that we're about to read (laughs) Acts. A little ring there because I stood in the wrong spot. We're about to read Acts. The book of Acts Okay, is actually its full title. That's the short title. It's the Acts of the Apostles, it's going to be the setting up of the church, the early church, just like the fresh church, right? Jesus just went up, and now what do we do? But there's motivation to the people of God. There's there's a reason things happen that take a right that take 120 people in a in a room, mostly because there's some fear. You know, they were told to wait and they waited in the upper room of a building. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. All right. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. but there's 120 people. And then at some point that crosses over into the religion of the empire, the whole Roman empire. So how does it go from 120 people in a room to the religion of then what was the ruling known world, Right. Now, somewhere in there, also, that happens to be one of the worst points in which it comes into contact because it really wasn't used because Constantine actually loved Jesus, but rather Constantine saw a way to garner more support. Because the love of Jesus is spreading like wildfire. Maybe if I hold up the banner of the cross, people will like me more. It's just. Anytime religion and politics cross over, it gets bad. Jesus never pushed a religion, and that was the problem. Right? But. But how does it get there? What you have to understand is when you open up the book of Acts, there's some major things motivating what's going to happen. And it's all going to hinge upon the fact, right, that this gospel that Jesus was giving, the good news, that he had come as God and man to die on the cross, to resurrect, right, to pay for the sins of the world, to offer freedom from sin and death, to offer freedom and grace for all, that he did that, So that we would be free from shame and guilt. So that we would be free indeed, as Galatians tells us. And so to be free means they're going to be able to be free to do things. And not only that, but that the, the law and the systems that were in place, he had come to fulfill. And in fulfilling them, was offering us a new covenant, and so we didn't have to be ruled and governed by these new systems as much so as Jesus summed up, love was the secret of the law. When they came and asked him, what's the most important law? And he says, well, you you know, you should should love your neighbor, and you should love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Loving was the key to the law. It wasn't just these rules that you needed to do. Rather, what is the key and source of the law that had been given? And, And to simply keep the law itself to the letter wasn't going to be enough. They were still going to need Jesus because it was the love behind the law and the selfishness of man that would always trip them up as they would try to be holy and never quite make it. So those two weeks are going to be integral, those interactions Jesus have to set us up for, why is the church doing? We're going to read stuff. We're going to read like Scooby-Doo crazy stuff, like, you know, like, the cartoons where the characters shake and their head goes so fast and like what their eyes get really big. Like that kind of stuff. Like there's a guy, right, in one place preaching and then the, the verbiage in the text seems to indicate that he is then in another place, all right? And he's about to talk to somebody else. Like that's some Star Trek stuff, right? He's in one place and then he is carried away in the spirit to another place. But that's what's happening in the early church. We're going to read some things. So you have to understand stuff's going on because... Jesus came, and he came that we would have freedom from shame and guilt, that we would have freedom from the law, that we would be able to move into places and do things that we otherwise, in and of ourselves, would simply be enabled to do, but the source comes from the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, but as of yet, the Holy Spirit's on the scene, so I don't want to get too far in advance. That's actually next week. I'm going to cover the whole of chapter one tonight um and those are those are all my points i have three points all right so for those of you to take notes there's like three of you you can write all three of these points down but you might want to leave safe space okay because i'm going to talk a little bit about each one but you can those that's it that's all the notes all right just not not gonna belabor it i'm gonna pray one more time because i feel like i need it i've just been really distracted this <coughs> it's just been a weird week it was the first week my work schedule changed and i'm just a little off so if you don't mind i didn't mind any objections? doesn't matter, I'm praying anyway. Dear Jesus, I just pray that you'd be with us, be with me, help me, Lord, to uh, not simply be speaking my thoughts and my my ideas, but rather be speaking your truth. And I pray that, you know, everybody that's here, that we're just sitting, and we're listening, that, that your spirit would work through your word to change us, um, to either change us into new creations, Lord, or change us more into your image if we are new creations. And I pray that 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 would be the goal tonight, that we would bring you honor and glory by opening up your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so you got your three points, so you can pay attention now. We can just do some reading. Uh, We're going to start in Acts 1, okay, because that's the beginning of the book. So if you have your Bibles, you can get there, Um, if you have your phones then it's easier. Uh, we'll be in Acts 1. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses, and we're going to get our whole... This is this is really where the introduction of what Acts is comes into play. Because there's a reason Acts was written, and it wasn't just for fun. Uh, just so you know, not many people made any money off the Bible when they wrote down stuff. Most of them just were killed. So um, there's a reason Acts was written, and finding out why is important. When we open up Acts 1.1, it says this... In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. All right. So there's a first book, right? So obviously this is the, this is the what book? The second book, or or as we would know it when we watch a movie, the first movie, and then the second one, it's the sequel. Very good. What's his, what's his first book? Do you know? Do you know who wrote Acts? He has a gospel. His name was Luke. He wrote Acts. So there's the gospel of Luke, okay? And then there's the book of Acts. I can tell you this. This makes sense. Watch, because in Luke 1, 1, it says this. So this is, that we just read Acts 1, 1. Luke 1, 1, ready? In, an, in as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us... Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Now that's the same name we heard in Acts 1. Luke 1 is the prequel to Acts 1. And just as he explains in Acts 1, Luke was the telling of all that Jesus had done. But now he's going to pick it up in Acts to talk about all that the apostles had done that Jesus had told them to do. So it's book 1, book 2. Who's the Theophilus guy? Who knows what Theophilus means? Who knows what Theo means in theology? Ever heard of theology? What's theology? It's a study of something, right? Because you have like an ology at the end, okay? What's theology? Anybody? Anybody at all? The study of God. That's what theology is, all right? So we have the Theo part in this guy's name. His name is Theophilus. This, his name, literally translated, would be lover of God. Now, this would have been a common name back then, okay? It doesn't necessarily specifically need to be Messiah God, Holy God, God the Father God, okay? It could just be God, like generic God. Okay? And gods were a huge part of Roman Greek culture going back, even going back since the beginning of the time. Gods were a big part. So Theophilus, very common name back then. So who's this guy? It's an interesting phrase that they use actually, um, particularly when he speaks of him in Luke 1. We read this term that he is most excellent, Theophilus. Did you recall that term when I read it? If you don't, it's in Luke 1 3, I believe. Most excellent Theophilus. The reason he calls him Most Excellent Theophilus is most likely because, okay, he held a title of some sort. In fact, this phrase, most excellent, when used other places in the scripture, um, particularly actually in the book of Acts, it's used in 23, 26, 24, 3, and 26, 25, if you really want to check me up and think I'm a fraud, and you should all check me up, um, is actually used to talk about the governor of Caesarea. And every time he is introduced, he is introduced as most excellent. Felix is his name. It's not really a powerful name. I don't, I don't know. It's not a bad name. If you have the name Felix or know someone who does, it's not a bad name. It doesn't feel like a powerful name. I think of that cat cartoon, Felix. You get with me? Is that too old? That's too old. That's not going to work. Go Google it. It's okay. <laughs> Felix the cat. It's, it, you'll find it. Um, but he was the governor of Caesarea, so he is most excellent. So more than likely, Theophilus carried a title. In fact, he probably, okay, if you follow, follow the, the suit there, he probably carried a title inside of the Roman hierarchy. He was more than likely, okay, now this is not for sure, but he was quite possibly, that's a better term, a Roman official of some kind, right? That's that's the verbiage that's being used here as it's being used throughout scripture is indicating he is a Roman official. Now, if he's a Roman official at the time that the scriptures are starting to go out, initially it's not a problem, but when... When they're being written down now, it's, going, it's getting a little tense, particularly for those who are following Christ. Now, it's obvious that Luke had a relationship with Theophilus, okay? You know, more than likely, it would have been some sort of seeking that Theophilus had been doing, whether or not he, was, he had fully commissioned Luke to go out. Now, Luke was a doctor, so he was a learned man. Whether he had commissioned Luke to research, okay, that's certainly the point in which Luke writes from. If you read Luke's gospel, so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the four accounts of Jesus' life. Each of them had a different intended audience, so they have a different flavor, depending on who they were writing to. Greeks, Romans, a general, general to the world, right? Hebrews. Depending on who they were being written to, depending on kind of how the flavor of the book went. Okay? That makes sense. But particularly Luke's gospel is a little longer, it's a little thicker, because it's very, very, very detailed. It's very, very detailed. It's incredibly detailed, like a doctor might be, as he was doing an examination. Because this guy, Theophilus, is going to read this so that he knows what he has heard about Jesus is true. The whole idea was to prove... For him to have a solid grasp of the faith that he had, that his faith was not simply put in hearsay or old wives tales or folklore, but rather it was actually verifiable data. Luke wasn't necessarily around for this gospel, just so you know. It wasn't necessarily there. It would have been a, have been a lot more research that he had done. Okay, He would have gone back and talked to Mary. He would have gone back and talked to Zechariah, the father of... Um, John the Baptist. He would have gone back and talked to Nicodemus. He would have gone back and had these conversations, right? He's talking to the Samaritan woman. He's asking these questions about what did Jesus say? How did the teaching go? How did it make you feel? What do you understand about this man? That's how Luke is writing his gospel. He's he's actually good. It's interesting because Acts does have a different feel when you read Acts. He's a lot more there for Acts. So it's interesting. But this Theophilus is actually writing. He's actually writing an account for Theophilus so that he can know that what he's heard is true. Why, why is that cool? That's cool for us because what we're experiencing is is the firsthand witness. We're experiencing, as we read Luke and Acts, we're experiencing someone who is actually writing it that went back to find out. And that's the cool thing about the scriptures. I was actually talking about this after community group on Wednesday night. The Bible is not. It wouldn't have worked if the if. If it wasn't true, it wouldn't have worked. Here's what I mean. I, I've used this as an example. Who in here has heard of John F. Kennedy? If you've been at this church for any time, you've heard this example before. Who in here has not heard of John F. Kennedy? That's always the answer I should ask because people don't want to put their hands up. All right, who in here has not heard of John F. Kennedy? All right, we're good. John F. Kennedy was, uh, I don't know if you knew this, he was assassinated, right? He was assassinated when? November 22nd. November 22nd, 1963. November 22nd, 1963. That's when he was assassinated. Now, he was, does anybody know, was he, was he president? Oh, who's, come on, anybody history, historians in here? Cabinet member? Senator. He was the president. Okay, He's was the president. He's the president of the United States. He was assassinated. you know where he was assassinated? Oh, now we're going to really see. Who knows things? Doesn't matter. He was assassinated in Texas, yeah, because everybody's got guns in Texas. He was assassinated in Texas. Um, <laughs> not a bad thing. It's just whatever. Um if you listen to preachers in Texas, a lot of their jokes revolve around firearms. It's just interesting that they happen to pop up. So <laughs> he was assassinated in Texas, right? One shooter, two shooters, half a dozen shooters, who knows? He was assassinated in Texas. Now, let's say, let's say now I was starting a movement. I had a new book out, all right? And my movement was to communicate to the world that John F. Kennedy, was from Venus, that he was a Venusian infiltrator. But what he's trying to do is help the human race, okay, by overcoming in a varied series of steps the hardship of living on Earth. And what he wanted for us was to pay homage to Venus through certain ritualistic sacrifices that we would do. All right. I didn't label the book fiction. I labeled it nonfiction, and I put it in Barnes & Noble. Is the book going to do well? Maybe. (laughs) That's a good quote. (laughs) All all two dozen copies of it would sell, right? Why? Why is that theory not going to stick well? and know, logically just give me a little bit of logic i go, why wouldn't it work cuz you weren't there right i wasn't there you know absolutely there's no, the, there's no life on venus that's really good what his mother's pretty sure that's right good right there is no life on venus it's it's really you know you, you the, my very excited mother just sat upon it's close to the sun it's, it's hot okay um But mostly, like, you could go back and say, uh, hey, you know that Kennedys, right? John ever come off a little Venusian to you, right? He ever swing a little, like, alien? No? Not so much? How'd he come into this earth? Regularly. That's interesting, because I thought, (laughs) I was just reading this book that told me he was from... You'd be able to go and ask people, right? So, what's not going to work, right... John Mark writes Mark. He's actually his gospel is attributed to Peter. If you read the gospel of Mark it's like bam 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 bam. What we know of the apostle Peter is he's the guy, you know, Jesus is walking on water and he's like, "Oh, let me go. I'm going to walk to you, Jesus." Like he's doing stuff, right? Half the time like Jesus is teaching something and Peter says something like that. you know the things you wish you could just like not say, like right after you say them you're like, "Oh, I didn't want to say that." That's what Peter does. He's very he's very impulsive. He kind of just acts. He's also the leading apostle, one of the leading apostles in the early church. So, but that's, that's his thing. So you read Mark, and it's, it's just, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, just like Peter's talking to John Mark as Mark's writing down what Peter's saying. All right. He writes that the church circulates it. We have thousands and thousands of copies of the scriptures that the church circulated, thousands. In fact, the Bible is more well-documented than most history we know it wouldn't have been passed around because people could have gone back and said, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Your name is Mary? So is your son the Messiah, right? Like, oh, your name's Mary Magdalene. You, you seem to have known Jesus. I got this story here that, that you know John Mark wrote down. I think Peter Wren said it. And you could go back and talk to these people, right? Oh, hey, you're the guy that had all those, that had the demons cast out, right? You're the guy that was healed of leprosy. These people are actually alive. Hey, Nicodemus, you're something of a big deal, and you came and talked to Jesus late at night one time to find out who the Messiah was, right? These people were alive, and they would have been able to say, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. That's stupid. That's stupidly foolish. What's not going to happen is everyone's going to stand up and say, hey, you know what? You can kill me, because I'm not telling you where the copies of the scripture that I have in my house are. That's not, okay? For a fictitious tale, you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't sacrifice you, your children, your wife, or husband, depending on which side. Right? Depending on whether you're a male or female. I should have been clear on that. Alright? You don't you don't do that. You don't for you don't do that for you don't do that for the Hardy Boys, okay? You don't do that for Harry Potter. It's not like right, if you do, you're a freak. You are not like, oh you can't have my copy of Harry Potter, you'll have to kill me first. You don't do that. But you do it if it's the pieces that you know of the words of God. If this is what you know of God, then yeah, it's actually more important than some things. All right, you follow me there? That's why it's important to note that this is actually being written down in a way so that it could be used as data. It's like, I don't know, it's like the Encyclopedia Britannica. You can go back and resource it. That's what Luke is writing here for Theophilus. So he's writing these things down, particularly... Um, in verse 3, he says he presented himself, this is Jesus, alive to them, to the apostles, after his sufferings by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom. What he's actually talking about is that towards the ends of several gospels, the accounts of Jesus actually showing up to people, like after he had resurrected. Um, one of the interesting things about the resurrection, it's, it's, there's a lot of ways to go about it. All right. You can believe that there's I mean there's, there's theories. maybe they's got the wrong grave. His disciples came and took him away. First of all, I got to tell you his disciples weren't that brave yet. <laughs> they weren't that brave to go up against Roman soldiers. There was only one he was a little impulsive. he cut the one you know, thing it, It's Peter. he's got problems, right? He's a little impulsive but but they're actually very afraid once, once Jesus dies, the disciples are like, "Wait a second. We were hanging our hat on that guy. <laughs> they killed him. What are they gonna do to us? You can understand the tension there too, because it wasn't like they just killed Jesus. It was like the religious leaders actually got Rome to let them crucify him. Like that's it was pretty rough. So they're a little worried. I mean they're gonna get really they're gonna get really brave in Acts chapter two, so give it some time, okay? They you know they were working. Backwards a little bit, so give them some time. They're going to be really brave, but they were really scared. There's there's theories, but one of the interesting things is there's actually historical data where people actually saw him by the hundreds. They saw him, Jesus, because he wasn't dead. Anymore.